trying to get this money like NAFTA. Wasn't gonna do it, but I had to. Time to get this money like NAFTA. Hey, I ain't even wanna spit, I just have to. Time to get this money like NAFTA. Wasn't gonna do it, but I had to. Time to get this money like NAFTA. We don't need the money, we just fucking up the mantra. Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And we made it. <laughs> yeah. One more, one, two, wait, two more weeks down. Two more right. weeks into this. Yeah. Whatever. This wait, two more weeks into what, what? I don't know. Two more weeks. Into life. Into oh, life. I thought, I thought like we were counting down to like Trump's death or something like that. Like, what, did I miss <laughs> Yeah. I, two I more wish. weeks. Are you listening, FBI? <laughs> Because I'm going to give away when I'm going to do it like a villain in a movie. <laughs> so, you know, I went to buy things at the store the other day. And I realized <laughs> I'm living in an economy. <laughs> yeah. In this economy? We're all living in an economy. Wow. We live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a society that has an economy. And, you know, that's not new. Wow. So, in the news... We usually don't do like super wait, topical. Wait, episodes. no, 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 no! no. I want Phil. I want Phil to seg this because okay, he started uh, with this, with this whatever that was, and he, he was to, on the news this morning. <laughs> he needs to segue it. Properly. Mother and R. And you know, I'm thinking about how uh, you know we're in an economy. People have always been in an economy. I just thought about how Trump is such a smart man to uh, talk about. <laughs> he's a businessman. He knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. He, well, yeah, he's talking about economic policy and. Uh, specifically, he talks a lot about um, trade in, with other countries, like China now in the news, and also uh, NAFTA. He's a businessman. And the EU. Yeah, he, he's a businessman, yeah. So And everybody. P-U-E-U, all right? <laughs> I thought I would contact my friend Daryl over here, because he's an expert on uh, NAFTA. Yeah. So, can you tell us about it? And he's super passionate about economics. <laughs> yeah, that's me. If you guys know me for one thing, it's NAFTA. <laughs> so, it's a treaty between Canada, Mexico, and the United States in order North to... North American Free Trade Agreement. Yep. Oh, I thought it was naps and free... I'm trying to think of food no. that Daryl likes, but like tacos. Tacos. <laughs> no, um... hey, hey, let's not get into my, my pickiness, my food pickiness okay. on the podcast. Let's get into Dallas personal life here. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. We're talking about America as a whole with uh, Mexico and Canada. And basically, it's we don't tariff each other's goods and we... Uh, the, these countries look at America as a whole, right? Because they just fuck us all the time. Am I right, guys? <laughs> so, anyway, it's a pact formed between us on the North American coast to compete better with China and mm-hmm. the EU that was formed in, I think, 1994. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, according to experts, it's the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say real quick, these, these are the things that NAFTA is supposed to, like, help us do. It grants the most favored nation status to all co-signers, which is good for trade, I think. <laughs> it el- eliminates tariffs on imports and exports. Like I said, uh, all NAFTA countries must respect patents, trademarks, and uh, copyrights, which is really important for the U.S., and mm-hmm. establishes procedures to resolve trade disputes. So it's just like it's a really nice and organized way to to deal with each other. And the Trump ad, Trump's angry about it. It's the worst deal of all time. That and the Iran deal and TPP and whatever else he wants to say next week. And he wants a variety of things from this. Well, his administration does that. They they've uh, they've been sitting down to talk about this. They had like a 
This was their seventh renegotiation. Wow. Trump wants to lower the trade deficit between the U.S. and Mexico because Americans bought 71 billion more imports from Mexico than Mexico bought from the U.S. So the answer to this is to increase exports or decrease imports. I, I just want to clarify. A trade deficit... It's when you are importing more than exporting. Yeah. Yes. So you're buying more from them than they're buying from you. Yes. Okay. And then he also wants to rewrite the rules on auto manufacturing and trade negotiation. He wants stronger protection for U.S. digital rights and intellectual properties by making them more similar to America. Uh, he wants to end the dispute resolution panel, which is an arbitration panel on whether or not a NAFTA country treated a partner's overseas investments unfairly. They want to do this because it says it overrules the sovereignty of the U.S. courts. For instance, the U.S. Commerce Department accused the Western Canadian provinces of subsidizing the lumber exports so they could dump cheap lumber into America. The NAFTA resolution panel sided with Canada, where the U.S. is, you know, you're supposed to side with us. Yeah, I think if, you, if they decide against us, it's obviously bad, and we should get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That, but, you know, but, but, it but it does happen a lot. That's one of the reasons China like, is considered an unfair player is because they... Um, do subsidies and stuff to cheapen markets in other countries. Like that's that's one of the reasons they have an unfair advantage with their economy, this social, uh, you know, piece of shit system. But th- but then the problem comes when you have like an independent, you know, quote unquote panel that's yeah. supposed to be ruling over this, and if they side, like, w- what are you going to do? Are you yeah going to be like get rid of the panel entirely so that we can apply our tariffs to Canada, which is what the yeah. U.S. Uh, Commerce Department wants to do. There's a big difference, I think, between uh, like trade with China and trade with NAFTA partners. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I just bring that up because that is a legitimate problem on the global stage. Yeah, but yeah. But, but like uh, obviously Trump doesn't know how to deal with it, so he's just, uh, trying to find a way to make it more favorable to not even just America, probably just to him. In, in the long yeah. Term. yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, he wants to make it easier for U.S. telecom companies and banks to operate in NAFTA countries, open up more Canadian and Mexican government contracts to U.S. businesses, but also use the Buy American provisions to stop Canadian and Mexican businesses from contracting with the U.S. governments. So it's basically, we want our companies to do businesses with your government so they get money, but we don't want to give your uh, companies money federally. Yeah. yeah. It's a classic Trump deal where it's like, I want all these benefits without having to do any yeah. work. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the art of the deal, right? You ask for something crazy, and then when they meet you in the middle, you're like, got them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, and, you, and you put stuff at risk uh, that like people desperately need to function. So that way, yeah. like, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the story, but like, there was like a university that had, or I think it was a university, they had like, we're going to have Trump on for this event, and they've staged this whole event around Trump. And like right before it was supposed to happen, Trump's like, "I'm not going. Give me like two extra million dollars for it." And like, <laughs> I guess we got it. We had this whole event. Like, yeah. we got all people just to meet Trump. Oh man, that is really wily. Yeah. <laughs> what a bad man he what, is. No, what a business man. That's yeah. what I said. What Except a bad it, it's, man. It's the thing is, this isn't even like this. Is, this isn't even like business act. This is like con artist act. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which I mean, like when he first appeared, like going down the escalator and pitching his U.S. presidency run, it really was like that. A lot of people could see it as like a con act. Yeah. That he just wants yeah. to like boost his own brand, and now we're yeah. here. Well, fuck us, I guess. We fell yeah. for it. <laughs> Yeah, well, we didn't, but we yeah, did. Yeah, the, the collective uh, we. Yeah. The, the, the people whose votes mattered in the electoral process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wants to give a sunset clause to NAFTA to make it expire in five years unless all signatories agree to renew it. Uh, U.S. wants to end Canada's supply management regime for dairy and poultry. And he also wants more car parts to come from North America. Because mm. right mm. now it's at like 62%. I think he wants it 
boosted up to like 80%, but he wants U.S. companies exempted from that. Exempted from from tariffs, you're saying? Or from having to use North American car parts? Yeah, from having to use North American car parts. So he wants Canada and Mexico to have to use North American car parts, but not Yeah, like we we give our car parts to them, but then we get ours from China. (laughs) Yes. Got him. Which was the most confusing thing, like looking at all this where I'm like, like what like what is the benefit to agreeing to this one all of this is like we want to be stronger and we want you guys to buy more from us yeah, yeah. did you guys hear about the uh, trump wants european union to have uh the military be like four percent of gdp or something like that now yeah and he like raised it from two percent to four percent now yeah yeah because in our in our previous episode where we talked about the EU, uh, that was one of the things I brought up is how he no one was reaching the two percent thing, which is why he chided them all. It's like, come on, guys, and now he's boosting it up to four percent. Because might as well keep going in the more unreasonable direction. Are we talking about EU or NATO? NATO. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm like, who is he? Who is he to tell the EU to do fucking anything? Well, the EU. How how, <laughs> how how many people from your EU are not in NATO? Uh, that's a good point. But it's like, they they don't have to contribute to, like, an yeah. EU army versus a NATO army. Yeah, we don't have to give money to the EU <laughs> army. Yeah. Also, every time Trump talks about NATO, I am 100% sure that he thinks that we pay into, like, a fund. Yeah. That's why I brought it up, because, uh, like, this and the, the 62% has to go up, has to go higher. It just seems like he doesn't know any of this works, and he's just like, numbers have to go higher. Yeah. Numbers have yeah. to go up. He's like, yeah. this is probably why he feels like he's competent at being, like, a manager in a business, because... He just wants to pr- boost numbers. Like, he's like, uh, next quarter, I want to see profits go up. And he expects, like, the people to just, like, somehow make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when it comes to geopolitics, it's like, not how it works. <laughs> it's not how it works. It's very intricate, yeah. which is the yeah. problem yeah. that we were having. Like, or at least I was having trying to research for this episode is there's a lot of minutia I wanted to get into. But it keeps going, like, deeper into history, deeper into how it relates to other countries and, like, how other countries have been trying to industrialize that there's yeah. a lot of like nuances here that it's hard that it's sort of like how we were talking about in the NATO episode or like stuff about like a uh, global warming and how you it's real easy to point your finger at India and China and be like you guys need to control your like smog emissions and the 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 rate at which you're ejecting carbon into the atmosphere but then at the same time they're we're way more far along yeah. than they are yeah to, yeah yeah it's like we have this conversation every time we try to talk about politics on the show yeah. where we sit here for hours. We're like, how the fuck do we put this into an hour podcast? Because really, we could have a whole podcast on this and we could call it Planet Money. Yeah, we probably still wouldn't even do that great of a job because none of us yep. are economists and it's really yeah. complicated. And yeah. like so, I've been teaching economics all summer and I have in the past and I know you have, Phil, yeah, many yeah. times. And it's still really hard to make it not boring. It, it is. It's yeah. it's hard to make it both not boring and like fucking understandable without hours of pre like lessons on, you know. Yeah, like for instance, what the U.S. wants to end Canada's supply management regime for dairy and poultry. It's like, what does this mean? Like, what effects is this going to have in U.S. and Canada? Like for people that supply meat, for farmers, for like places like Wegmans and Walmart. This is actually a problem. Governments. Like, we, we can see this government's having this problem. A, how do you pitch this at, in a democracy or a republic, right? How mm-hmm. do you pitch this to people? Like, you, you need support of the people, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if you cannot explain this to, to regular people, you're going to have a hard time getting support. And B, for politicians actually understanding it themselves, because not all of them come from a background that they are versed in this. They might come from a background of, uh, you know, 
more legal, like their lawyers or something, right? Real estate and reality TV, you know? <laughs> yeah, or that. It doesn't, have that, it doesn't have that a lot of economists are also frauds who uh, just basically say, like, oh, money, they'll literally, like, ironically say the stock market will go up forever, fundamentals of the economy are great. They'll say all these cliche signs that, like, don't mean anything. And basically, most of them are just there. They're funded just to pat crapless on the head and say, everything's yeah. going great. Yeah. So, so the, I think there's two components to that. Some of them are, are, are uh, biased. And second, it's not like economics is a settled science. Like, people argue mm-hmm. over this forever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, n- not only can the experts not agree, but then they have to somehow pitch it to politicians who then have to pitch it to people who have no fucking idea about yeah. it. And <laughs> yeah. then we're supposed to, like, run the world on this. Yeah, so you have to, fi- you have to, find, you have to find the right economic model. And you have to ma- find it from somebody who's not just a shyster trying to make you hear what you want to hear. And you have to try to uh, understand what he's trying to tell you. Then you have to try to make that into a plan. And then you have to try to make, uh, make that plan function in reality. And not only that, but most, uh, I feel like a lot of political policies, you it's easier, it's always more complicated than it seems, but it's easier mm-hmm. to be like, if we do this, this many more people will get healthcare. Or if we do yes. this, this many people will, you know, you'll be able to pay this many teachers. But with yeah. economics, even when you learn it in school, in an economics class, it's like, okay, we have to assume everything else is constant. This is what yeah. happens with supply and demand. That is like the basic the basic thing when you're learning economics is like, it, this is a, a science that can never be fully nailed down because it is human actors doing what they want and people do not act rationally and every single thing you do butterfly effects yeah like um every other industry and and model of economics in the area because like if you study like stuff like the 2008 crash and you learn about all the different factors that cause that crash to happen like even like stuff like uh rising gas prices caused that crash because what happened was when the gas prices increased from their uh, lower levels what happened was people couldn't drive out to their, uh, uh, you know, their fancy cheap houses out in the middle of nowhere, and people started selling, trying to sell off their houses all at once, and that's that, like stuff, stuff like that precipitates crashes. Like all these factors come into play, and obviously you had the the frauding and all that stuff going on, but like you didn't even know what would trigger it because there's so many different elements yeah. coming into play. Yeah. Like for instance, regarding what Ryan was saying about how like there there's so many things affected, like it's a spider web of effects. That are going on all at the yes. same time. That like everything's rippling against one another, and like for if we let NAFTA fall through and like we leave it, we can actually help restore five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand manufacturing jobs that were lost in California, New York, Michigan, and Texas, which sounds good. But then you'll we'll also be paying two thousand dollars more a year for our products. Yeah. Perfect. So it's like yeah. So think about how many people would be like yeah. harmed by that. Like we'd have more. Um, Some people would have more jobs, but most people would pay more in their year for goods. Yeah, and that, that's one of the biggest problems where it's like we need to bring back, you know, our coal mining towns and we need to help these people out and this. It's How do you do that in a way that doesn't, like, harm other jobs in other sectors? Yeah, the reason we've able to we've been able to have such high quality of living for even, like, average Americans, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Sly will often say, like, you know, we're not upper class, and I, I agree with you, like, in, in the U.S., we are, we are, like, mid to lower class, but, mm-hmm. like, globally, we are, we are pretty rich, and we have a high quality of life, and that is largely due to globalization, and goods are so goddamn cheap compared to what they were. To, uh, to defend neoliberalism and argue against it immediately after... <laughs> There, there are uh, reports Slice that... Slice his own straw man. <laughs> the, the average income like across the world globally has gone up for almost uh, every uh, bracket. 
the only exceptions are basically the working and middle class in America. Every other, all of the poor in uh, all, every other country, the rich in America, everyone has gotten up because of neoliberalism. But basically, only the working and middle class have gotten screwed. So yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that, and I think that a better I would be better to argue this in like 1980 <laughs> or yeah. 1970. Yeah. While I was researching all this, I found out that in 2015, the minimum wage in Mexico was essentially 55 cents. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for the, a lot of the world, it's under a dollar. And because of our trade position and globalization, like we we buy goods for a rate that like even 50 years ago would be un like the fact that most people, even like lower middle class people can just be like, I'm going to buy a TV and mm-hmm. I just I'm going to do that. Whereas that might be like your year purchase that was not food for like 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and if you went back even further than that, like, you know, in the, in the 19th century, you bought a few pairs of clothes, you know, and that was like it for the year or for the few years, actually. Like that you wouldn't own like closets full of clothes. Like goods have just become so cheap. The problem is that's also it's like um, people look at that and say that's why America is the best. But first of all, uh, this is not sustainable. Like the way that, we're living that's now. my main thing is I completely yeah. agree with everything, but I don't think it's sustainable the way it's we not, have it now yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. So like it's like yeah, like the problem is like what we talk about like people have to sacrifice for workers to get better rights and stuff like that. And uh, I'm not to say who's going to make sacrifices or who's not going to. But eventually those sacrifices will have to be made because we can't consume at the level we're consuming right now. Like, yeah. eventually we'll have to start uh, lowering our standards of living at some point or else the mm. world will literally die. That's one of the things that's tough, too, about, like, when you talk economics is because, like, if we we're talking about, like, you know, globalism versus protectionism, we could make a case that's like, okay, if you pay more now, you'll have growth in 30 years. And that's mm-hmm. hard to sell to people, yes. especially people that are struggling. <laughs> especially to people that like, this might just be me, me projecting this stuff, but people that didn't understand that in the 2016 election that this would affect Supreme Court picks. Like, potentially, like, other Supreme Court and that's picks so other than direct. Mayor Carling. <laughs> or, yeah, or, or people who don't understand how it would affect them, like... And mm-hmm. uh, there was a, a small village that like uh, overwhelmingly uh, voted Brexit in Britain, and they were like, "We want to go fishing." Fuck Eurozone, or EU. <laughs> all, the, all those people, yeah. But um, but what happened was, it turns out their main main economy was exports. So now their their economy is going to literally collapse because they just cut themselves off from Britain. Now we have all these fish. What do we do with them? Yeah, so like, <laughs> you feed them. So like, like a lot of people who are like, "Fuck the EU," "Fuck, fuck uh, globalism." Uh, I can understand the, the, like uh, frustration over all this stuff, but the people who uh, go to the extremes to deal with these issues uh, usually just hurt themselves. And yeah. it, it's yeah. worth noting too that uh, you're not only trying to sell this thing like, "Hey, thirty years, this will happen," but it's not guaranteed since we're kind of like making all these estimates on economics. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. it's really it's a really hard sell. Who, who knows what's gonna, what's, what, how the economy is even going to look like in 30 years? Like, if we're yeah. going to have a capitalist system or like, yeah. like even a like when, system, you, when you just look at the last, like, five years, like, the peer-to-peer network economy, like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and stuff, is completely reshaping whole industries that we yeah. thought were inelastic, safe demands. Yeah. yeah. You're like, nobody... It, Ten years ago, I never would have thought taxis were disappearing. And keep in mind, like, healthcare is, like, the, a growing industry, but now, like, if Trump... Uh, kills Obamacare, which, which he's trying to do, like that will collapse in itself pretty quickly. It's like that's one of the growing industries, healthcare, because mm. because of Obamacare and when Trump by himself, single-handedly collapsed the entire industry, just but just with his own uh, bullshit ways, he's subverting it. And, and to show you like how slow bureaucracy works at like 
uh, analyzing and met, like adapting for this stuff is that NAFTA doesn't even address internet commerce. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because from the night, it's from the early nineties, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bill Clinton never used a computer. Fun fact. <laughs> so it's it. Uh, there's a whole provision in NAFTA about pogs. <laughs> <laughs> And Trump's like, I want this fixed. Uh, we get all the pogs. <laughs> We've been talking about a lot of different, uh, like, protectionism versus globalization versus, uh, you know, balance of trade. But uh, I wanted to give a basic overview of the development of these theories and how we got to where we are. Because, like I said, the world does not look like it did 50 or 100 years ago at all. 20. Oh, the, the, un- the only other thing that I wanted to add in to show how dumb trade wars are with Canada is that 35 out of 50 states have Canada listed as their number one trading partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fighting, like, I, I will definitely agree with uh, what Sly said before. Like, it's hard with foreign countries like China, but, like, with our neighbor that we have a close trade agreement with like yeah that lost why, why are you fighting them why are you fighting them <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is overall is trump is like going after the people who like i have issues with the eu but like if you're going after anyone why fucking canada of all, of all people like <laughs> we're the only ones we only have we have a trade sir, like what do you call it um we give them we make them buy more of our stuff than yeah. we buy their stuff so like they're, they're... makes it makes me wonder if he feels confident doing that because of the fact that like no one could have seen it coming where it's like canada will obviously count out uh whatever i say like they'll they'll bend over because i'm trump or america yeah. maybe yeah. it's because yeah. maybe it's because canada needs us maybe because china needs less than canada canada yep. is the university that will fucking go bankrupt if they don't have trump speaking at their event like mm-hmm. they're the ones he, he fucks over the people who rely on him the most the most mm-hmm. reliably like the yeah. michael cohen i mean yeah, yeah the the voting demographic that voted for it yeah exactly <laughs> if, if you're trump's ally you're gonna get fucked if you're his enemy you might not yeah. get fucked yeah <laughs> i mean look at michael cohen <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. If we go back in time, as I like to do with my time machine, uh, mm-hmm. and we look at economics, I mean, obviously, economics is not a new, like, you can talk about, tr- like, tribes u- having economics and barter system and everything like that. But what I want to start with when we talk about modern economic theory is the theory of mercantilism, um, which is basically this, like, 17th century European idea that, or even earlier, we need to, because as the world became more and more linked globally with uh, long distance trade, like, right, the Europeans were like, hey, look, check out this rest of this world. Uh, let's sell things. Well, let's let's take their resources, make stuff <laughs> with it, and then sell it to them. This theory of mercantilism came up where basically it's the government's job to protect domestic trade. And the goal, one of the goals, like we talked about before with a balance of trade, is we want to export more goods than we're importing. And specifically, like I alluded to, we want to export manufactured goods and import raw materials. So essentially, this is like, like a more like a this these theories are pushed by like Britain largely because they don't have a lot of uh, raw materials and they would go and just take stuff like cotton, like rubber, like, you know, steel and bring it back to Britain, turn that cotton into shirts in a factory and then go and sell it to places So like famously. One of the protests like Gandhi used in in India was stop buying British shirts, even though they're cheaper, and we're going to weave our own shirts out of our own cotton. Because what Britain was doing was taking Indian cotton back to Britain, mm. turning it into a shirt, and selling it to Indians. So they were making all the money, but Indians were basically selling their cotton for dirt cheap and then buying, you know, British shirts. Yeah, it's a very common imperialistic tactic. You take their resources and sell their, sh- their shit back to them after. Yeah, because yeah. you have the factories and they don't. So you're... If it's not even like you're necessarily have to force them to do it, but an Indian handmade shirt might cost you know fifty dollars, where you can buy a British factory shirt for twenty. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, that sounds like it has something to do with the means of production. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, shut up, you commie. <laughs> <laughs> so this was really popular in Europe, and the goal was government's job is to be very protectionist. Like, you need to make sure that you're exporting shit and not... And you're putting tariffs on imports so that your own citizens will buy your domestic goods. And this was really popular. And kind of one of the people to originally fight against this was Adam Smith with his book, The Wealth of Nations, um, or an inquiry into the nature and causes of the Wealth of Nations. And we're not going to get too much into this because it's not that interesting. But um, (laughs) one one of his main ideas was it's actually not that good for the government to be doing such protectionist policies because it leads to monopolies. And monopolies are actually going to become pretty inefficient because when competition dies, they can just raise prices and fuck off. You have to buy their shit. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to become inefficient and mismanaged. And also he had this idea that if you have a political body, like, you know, Trump's soft, squishy body, (laughs) making decisions. That's what he's referring to. He knew it was coming. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. If you have a political body that's making economic decisions like that, you can't actually know that they're going to be trying to promote the interests of the state and instead they might be promoting their own interests. So he actually was kind of predicting Trump there where how much economic policy do we see that we question like, is Trump just helping Trump organization and like his family or is he mm-hmm. trying to help America? Well, I don't have the specifics off the, off the top of my head, but I know that there are like all of a sudden there's like these like tax policies or tariff policies that come or get loosened right after like big Trump hotel deals yeah. in Europe and stuff like that. So it's like it's hard to want to give the government that much control. And also one of the problems with protectionism is like the goal originally was, hey, we just want to buy everything domestic. That's great. Like buy American cars, buy American shirts, buy American shoes, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what Adam Smith's idea was is some countries are better at making certain things. They make it more efficiently. So if Mexico can make a shirt for 50 cents and it costs Americans a dollar to make it, we should just buy Mexican shirts. And then since we make cars cheaper, we should sell them cars, you know. And so this kind of started to open this idea into global trade where we should just buy things where the countries that can make things efficiently should be the ones exporting that thing. And then they can buy things that other countries make more efficiently. Like everyone specializes. Yeah, exactly. Specialization makes everything cheaper for everyone. Globalism. But, yeah. And one of the one of the issues that we're facing now in the modern time is with globalization, um, China can make everything cheaper because they don't pay their workers. And like <laughs> stuff like that, where as as this spread it wasn't yeah, about also, also to another one of trump's demand was the a breaking of ip law trying to also violate ip laws yeah, yeah. with the zte yeah. yeah stuff so so like he rip make ripoffs cheap chinese knockoffs of everyone else's products mm-hmm. again uh he uh, trump was arguing in favor of nafta our allies but it was a legit problem with china that they rip off everyone else's ip and ip is pretty important because some companies will literally spend billions of dollars researching something i mean you know we think of it in terms of, like movies and stuff a lot but like if a company spends $15 billion developing a medicine and then China steals the recipe once it's developed and they sell it for five cents, you yeah. know, it's hard because we always hear like, oh my God, medicines cost so much. But it, it really partially is because of how goddamn expensive it is to pay scientists to sit there for three years trying the pr- to... The problem is, though, uh, that's because it's a capitalist system. That also, like, that means people don't get medicine because... Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's good that medicine costs money. I'm just saying like it's not like uh, cackling uh, villains like twirling yeah. their mustaches. Uh, sometimes and, and, it is when they're. And also, that's yeah. actually a good argument against protectionism because uh, drug prices are one of the few protection policies we reliably have had with Obama and and since Bush. 
uh, under Obamacare, under Bush's healthcare uh, policies, we're not allowed to negotiate drug prices uh, w- uh, with other countries or anything. So we can't import drugs from cheaper countries. We have to stick with whatever yeah. American manufacturers deal with. So that's a, a example of protectionism fucking as well. Which is what a lot of people say is why our healthcare industry is so crazy compared yeah, yeah. to like the EU. But again, the argument is most of these drugs we would be importing were were researched by American companies, but by, by and large. Yeah, so, th- so everyone else gets the benefit of it, but we just yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm saying it's, it's like, hard. It's complicated because... It is. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's really tough going into this kind of conversation is, like, it's so hard to parse the, like, economic versus the moral argument because there's yeah. always so many... Like, yeah, when you think about, like, drug prices, for example, like, the... You know, like, yes, it would be better for people that are sick to get cheaper medicine, but, Mm -hmm. like, for the scientists that go into these fields and the doctors that, like, stake their whole livelihood on it, then it's, like, you know, it, it gets a tough thing. Same thing, like, you were saying about the shirts is, like, in, you know, if you get cheap shirts from China and Mexico, then it's, like, that benefits, like, poorer people that need cheaper clothes that can't buy, you know, like, the $50 shirt, but it is, they're cashing in on low wages in other countries and it's it's it becomes like a, a moral a moral equivalency that it is impo- i think it is impossible to have a hard line this is how i feel every time well it's when when the robots make all the stuff and then uh the singularity we, and then the robots will make themselves and, yeah <laughs> and then they, they yeah but yeah. but uh it's always that's the issue that's been plagued in mankind with terms of morality individual versus society exactly mm-hmm. yeah and like because uh basically the argument now is taxation is theft. You can don't take my stuff from me, uh, ever. And uh, we all obviously we all uh, disagree with the extremes of that. Where uh, you actually be able to give all my money to my children, they should be harder forever. Uh, your kids can die for all I care. I have no duty to society whatsoever. But uh, the inverse is we take all your stuff whenever we want to. Society does, and you have no claim to anything. And uh, everything's also society. Basically, capitalism versus capitalist. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I mean, and generally, everybody, most people fall somewhere in the middle. We just yeah. argue about how far on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then same similarly with economic policy. Like, I, t- I said how we went from this mercantilist swing to this, like, really free market globalization swing. But, like, there's also some people being like, we can't be, like, can we really be fully, global like, globalized? Uh, or do we need some protectionist policies like... Uh, you know, you mentioned IP laws are important for Americans. Like we we really have an interest in enforcing that because if you know a movie studio uh, spends all that money making this thing and then China just makes a copy, you know, yeah, they're sells it for way cheaper. And yeah, that's um, a cheaper alternative. And you can and you can flood the market too. Like whenever uh, a successful blockbuster movie comes out and China just floods the DVD floods the section, the you know the DVD section with all these trash movies that also dilute the market and make people like move away from that market. That's why with like Atari in the eighties, like the, the market was diluted with trash video games. So mm-hmm. people just the industry went down as a whole because one person was flooding the market with trash. Now one yeah. person, but like people in general, flooding the market uh, market with trash. Yeah, and so like I, there's. You know, there's a this argument is still is still being had. It's obviously not solved, and uh, different politicians fall differently on it. Trump's kind of strange, where he he's pretty old school when he well, at least his rhetoric is. You know, I don't know how many of these decisions he actually makes or how much like his administration's like. Here's kind of what we want to do, but he's pretty old school in the sense that he's just like he comes in saying, "Yep, uh, full protectionism. We should make everything in America uh, tariffs on everyone, especially our allies." Like, 
it's kind of it's kind of strange. It's, it's just like stranger talk about that most people would not agree to. Yeah, it, yeah. He, it's like really like old school protectionist policies. Like you might see like like it, it, when America first started. <laughs> and one of the things that you mentioned, Phil, about like the early days of America, it's interesting how back and forth it kind of goes because like yeah. one of the big reasons why we went to war with Britain was because of tariffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like they put high tariffs on like glass, lead, paper, and more famously tea. <laughs> Yeah. And we went to war. So like under the Articles of Confederation, we had the government wasn't even allowed to implement taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like when you look at like the early founding fathers, like one thing that I found really interesting was I always knew like Hamilton was the big protectionist and wanted high tariffs to protect American industry. And Jefferson was way more free trade. Largely because of where they were from, because in the north, uh, people were um, make- manufacturing the goods. But in the south people were buying foreign goods. So it was the cost by, by putting tariffs, like we said before, uh, workers get more money. So New Yorkers were making more money, but people in the South were uh, paying more for goods. But then mm. when Jefferson became president, he embargoed a bunch of stuff and yeah, then put yeah. he, he put on what was in 1816, the Jeffersonian Congress, which was like 25 to 30%. That was Jackson that went up to 50 and or 49%. And that pretty much like led to the Civil War. So yeah, there, it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's more than just that. Yeah. But like, it was so... nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> it was just tariffs. Who could have guessed? It was the war of no regression, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's one of those things that it's like the there's whenever there's like big changes in our economic policies, they sometimes lead to pretty like pretty big deals. Like there was the Smoot Hawley tariff in 1930. Yeah. That led to the Great Depression. <laughs> A lot of, uh, like, for, for as boring as economics is, it has a lot of, like, societal things to be tied to it. Like, slavery was an economical decision. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, it's, a, it's funny because it's super well, it's, topic, it's not but... just tied to it. It's that it's, like, inextricably linked to it. You can't get the economics out of, like, that social yeah. prejudice. Not yeah. or of any like you can't get yeah, out of anything true. literally like, like all a- everything's history. political and everything's economical. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. people don't realize economics when you, when you often ask people like what is it they think about money but really it's it's how resources are going to be used in a society right yes. and yeah. who, society who's going to surplus and uh, economics is how the surplus is divided out amongst the people. Yeah, who's going to use the resources to produce other, and what is going to be produced with those resources and then who's going to get the pr- products of those uh, production. Like, yeah. these are huge questions that every single human group needs to answer. And, you know, whether it's like, hey, I, I went and picked 10 apples today. Like, who do I give them to in my tribe? Uh, yeah. Or when it's these huge things. Like, they, they yeah, people say it's boring. Um, but people also do get pretty worked up about this. When you're like, goddamn Northerners for the 50th time are making all of everything I buy more expensive because they want to make more money in uh, on Wall Street. Like, people, while they might say it's boring, like, they... they when it affects their paycheck yeah, or their... Them, then they'll get animated and vote for Trump. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's one of the things that is interesting because it there was never, like, things like free trade and tariffs and protectionism have always kind of bounced back a little bit, like, between the parties. And one of the things that is really interesting is for a long time, like, the Republicans were the protectionist party because they wanted to protect, like, you know, those wanted to protect that industry, like the big business part of America. Yeah. But then as it got more and more global, and like you mentioned, when we compare us to like China, we're further along industrial as an industrialized nation. So all of a sudden exports became where the money was. It's also, yeah. It's also that they could, they just realized it's like, Oh, it's actually cheaper just to have Chinese workers work on it. 
yeah. than American and, workers. And one of the things that is really interesting is in the early 90s, the kind of both parties agreed on free trade that yeah. like at, like because Clinton had his neoliberalism and both and Republicans were, you know, working more on the side of big business. Yeah, neoconservative. <laughs> exactly. They're all, basically, uh, to make it simple, they all started believing in female economics, which is very uh, globalist. But when you look at, like, the 2016 election, particularly, you had both Bernie Sanders and Trump coming out against the TPP, which was a big Obama thing. And then eventually Clinton said it, but, like, let's be real, Clinton was definitely in favor of it for a while. And that was going to be like a another kind of NAFTA, but more just to we we talked about it kind of extensively in the China in the China episode. Yeah. And where now all of a sudden you have the populist protectionist rhetoric coming out from both the far right and the far left in America, and I feel like because of that this has gotten pretty muddied. Mm-hmm. Where now the Republican Party as a whole is against these tariffs, but Trump is in favor of of them, and the Republican Party won't speak out against them at all. And then you also have the neoliberal, like, moderate Democrat wing that is free trade, but then the far left is more populist. And one of the things when you look into it is it all kind of depends on what industry you're trying to court. Yeah. Because when you look at Trump's base, they're all farmers, and the farmers are screwed by these tariffs because they export a lot of, like, soybeans. Uh, his, his, his base isn't all farmers. His his base is a, a lot of his base. Uh, I'll, I'll, is I'll, get into, I'll get into it. A lot of his most yeah. loyal uh, counties were farmers. The, the loyal counties. There, there yeah. are still, like, a, a ton of middle-class Americans. That oh, are of course. That, yeah. I don't mean it's I don't mean it's his entire base, but it's a big chunk of his base that so much so that the, that he decided to just give them a 12 billion dollar bailout, which yeah. doesn't necessarily replace an ongoing market that they'll have if they lose their entire EU industry. Yeah, as a funny thing is once the tariffs work, even if the tariffs go away, uh, all the people found new buyers. So they're going to uh, our industry. I think right now the projections are uh, we'll be lucky if we get like 80 percent of the uh uh, trade we got before the tariffs because everyone's finding the buyers now to compensate for tariffs. Yeah, gonna... but but I was listening to a couple of interviews with farmers and they were like, yeah, we're opening up these new markets and like Trump's doing these bailout things, but it's like you said, it's eighty percent, eighty percent of your income. That's a big cut. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and is so, a big cut. And it's like the whole country and uh, the yeah. whole entire farming market, and especially f- the farming industry isn't like other industries where they can you can kind of plan it season by season and when demand goes up, prices go up. Farming, you have to plan way in advance, so it's not easy to just make more if you have more yeah. buyers. That's one of the hardest things. That's why farmers always get screwed in these things. Like that's why you know you can read something like the Grapes of Wrath and be like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, because it's like you plant stuff and then it's there, and like that. It's not a. It's not a something you can say. All right, we're, we're stopping to produce this tomorrow, and yeah. uh, we're, we're switching to a new thing, mm-hmm. or or demand went down. So and we're after gonna... yeah, and after the dust bowl, the way like land is allocated and stuff, you sometimes have to plan certain things like years in advance. And I uh, mean, it's this guy. It's so complicated. But and the funny like... thing, and the funny thing is, like, um, we're gonna be doing like, subsidies to buy the farmers' goods from them and stuff like that. And then we're going to just destroy all that food because uh, it's cheaper to just sell to the government than to uh, sell a market. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, like, one thing that a lot of people don't realize because we always talk about, like, you know, oh, I wish we could feed all the people. Like, there's enough food in the world. But what happens is if every person who grew corn in this country just sold their corn, uh, the price of corn would be like five cents a bushel. And yeah. farmers, after one year of selling at five cents a bushel, would go all go out of business, and then there would be no more corn. Yeah, uh, and it's just, it's completely unsustainable. So a lot of times, 
we either subsidize them to not grow stuff. So we say, take your land and for this year, you're not growing anything and we'll pay you for it. Cause if you don't pay them, they're going to say, fuck you. I'm going to grow stuff here. Or you have to buy it off them. And it's then like, you destroy it. Then you destroy it a lot of times. Yeah. It's like, it, again, it's like one of these things that's, it has so many effects. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. That decides yeah. global hunger. We talk about global hunger. Like it's an unsolvable problem. When, when like we have the resources, the problem is, uh, we're gonna make farmers got a business in order to make like again individual versus society. Do we make these but, farms? But, and, yeah, and, but that, that like the thing is there. It is a society thing too because when they go out of business, then there's no more food. Well, arguably, if you just nationalize those industries, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that is when we talk, yeah. But when we talk about, all right, guys, you converted me. I'm, go- I'm a communist. <laughs> yes, but- I knew it. <laughs> we, we talk about so when we talk about like how tariffs and stuff really screwed farmers like most recently that's what we're seeing in the news a lot at the same time so that that is a good globalist argument but at the same time when nafta and nato and all these things showed up in the early 90s we had these we had the democratic party kind of abandon the manufacturing job in the favor of globalism so like the you know we heard about like the auto bailout and stuff during the obama years but what was happening was when we were importing these manufactured goods, those jobs went away. And so then you would think, well, okay, if you want to keep those industries alive and have enough work in America and not have everyone move away, you would have to be more protectionist and have more tariffs. But then at the same time, a lot of our steel, like a lot of those, those, the, the pieces of manufacturing that we use come from overseas. So by being more protectionist, it ends up hurting those workers. So it's one of those things that it's, when when as liberals we try to argue economic policy because as we've talked about on the show liberal generally liberal ideals are more detail oriented mm-hmm. it becomes almost impossible to explain that on in a stump speech of how you're going to rectify those two things that you're not going to destroy the agriculture but also not destroy the manufacturing and i it's one of those things that i bounce around all the time on i'm not sure if i'm a globalist or a protectionist because it's I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> it's not if or well, it's not a yes or no question. Like yeah, you have, yeah. You have to have some protectionism, some global. I, I feel like that, th- that's what makes it tough. Yeah. The yeah. problem with trying to like decide between the dichotomy is as we move further and further towards automation, you have no choice what's going to happen. It's like that's people true. are lo- going to lose a lot of jobs and a lot of their work. Mm. You couldn't fucking pay me enough to be an economist. Like, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Well, uh, that's why probably a lot of them are just like, I will say what the rich people want me to say. I don't, I'm not going to do research. I, rich people, you're doing right. Everything's going great. I was wondering whether or not it'd just be easier to go in with your mind already made up where you're like, protectionism is the way to go. I'm just going to look for the evidence here. But, but that's I, like I don't such like bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't like using that reasoning because that's what people say about like global warming and science yeah. is that they go into it just looking for the evidence when it's like it's. But, yeah. there, are, but there are a lot of uh, ideology does play a big role in politics. Are, it does. Like, a lot of people are, are true believers. Like a lot of people uh, fundamentally believe if you follow feminist style comics all, all the way. Despite yeah, I, I, ju- I just don't want to espouse beliefs about an industry I have no idea over. It's just it's yeah. it's also tough because it's very difficult to find. Like if we're going to talk about like reproductive rights, generally you're going to be in like minded places with like other social issues. Mm-hmm. But with fiscal policy, it's so difficult because it's not a clearly like big government or small government argument like it is on other things because the more open your trade is, the more you might need to subsidize other things to keep these industries going mm-hmm. at home. 
And, you know, Trump, it's I think it's a dumb argument, but he also makes like the national security argument that like if we're importing 70 percent of our steel, is that, you know, what happens if those countries go to war with us? What do we do with steel? Like, how do we make, you know, that that is it's funny because that is legitimate, uh, like the argument that economics can be like uh, terrorism is a legitimate point because that's how. China is influencing other countries, mm-hmm. like like uh, the Pentagon yeah. saying. Uh, the, our biggest threat is to China, is because it's increasing dependence on its economy of those neighboring countries. Like it's it's taking over countries while firing a single shot. It's just making them all depend on it economically. Yeah. I mean, that's why uh, Japan entered World War II on the German side because we were embargoing their oil and they don't yeah. make oil. And they were like, "Fuck! If we want an empire and we want to put oil in our tanks and planes, we need to secure oil somewhere." Yeah. And when we embargoed them, they're like, I guess we're going to war with America. But we were talking about how poor farmers and all that stuff. I'm going to dis- dissuade some of those feelings a bit. <laughs> uh, this, I, the, my section is not going to be any intellect whatsoever. It's not going to be anything. So like uh, usual. Yeah. So I want, I want to make sure when you get to my section, you know what you're getting into. You turn off the fucking podcast. You stop and you've something better your life. No, you, you turn up the podcast. Turn up for what? To- uh, <laughs> I love. I, I just just picture like uh, someone with a big boombox on the street playing this podcast, and then Sly starts. And someone goes, "Is that Sly? Crank that shit okay. up, Sly Crepa." Right. <laughs> so I'm just gonna talk about some Schadenfreude here about uh, the biggest cucks of all time, and that are that is a Trump voter. Uh, Trump will fuck Truly. their lives, and they'll take it because Trump is the alpha male. That will fuck them over. I can fuck someone's wife on Fifth Avenue, not lose a single vote. That, which exactly. is true. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go through a bunch of different articles talking about uh, different Trump voters and how they got screwed over. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, there was a uh, banner medals which is getting screwed over by the steel aluminum tariffs, and the owners talk about how um, I'm uh, uh, I'm not looking at what's best for Banner right now. Uh, said Bronson Jones, part time owner of the co- uh, part owner of the company. I'm looking at what's best for the national economy. The U.S. has been taking advantage of for, for far too long. You gotta look at the big picture. A tiny bit of sacrifice will create jobs. That's what the uh, technician uh, Casey Jackson says. Uh, so, in, the, in a poll conducted by Survey Monkey for New York Times, 76% of uh, Republicans supported the metal tariffs, while 79% of Democrats opposed them. Uh, nearly half of workers with a high school diploma or some college said they approved the tariffs compared to 39% of college ed- uh, educated workers. I would like to see how that's broken down by race. The reason why I say that is because when you look at, like, white voters versus any other demographic, they're always just like, whatever the Republican says is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just infuriates me. Yes, yeah, so even as talk of the trade wars intensified, um, Mr. Jones says he saw Trump's uh, administration moves as part of a negotiating strategy, not a fundamental move from free trade, uh, which he says he supports. So they say this is, this is just a bluff. It's just Trump playing hardball. We're, uh, we're 40 win, chess. Uh, yeah. yeah, 40 chess. Uh, short-term pain for long-term gains, says. Well, Trump is literally saying this in speeches. He said last week, like, what you see, what you're seeing, and what you're hearing, none of it's true. Don't worry about it. I got you. Yeah. Uh, Todd Grizzle said, uh, uh, he's a maintenance worker at his company. He said, I like the idea of U.S. having allies. It's going to bring back more, uh, more jobs to America. That's a good thing. So he says, I like allies, but jobs are more important. So fuck the allies. Uh, so then we go to another uh, uh, article, uh, Cranes Detroit. This guy wrote an article, How My President's Tariffs Will Cover My Company. And he says, I'm a proud business owner, a proud Republican, and a voter who supports President Donald J. Trump, John, uh, Donald, Donald J. Trump's uh, campaign to level U.S. trade and balance. 
And it ends the article saying, I wonder, does Donald Trump know that his tariffs on import components threatens almost every manufacturing job in Michigan? <laughs> does he know that my little company in my little corner of Michigan will lose 90% of its business overnight? Does he understand that 25% tax on, on the components uh, Lucian uses will evaporate my profit margins that will shut us down? I don't think he does, because I know my president cares. And I've got to believe he will change his mind, grant sensible exclusions, and help companies like Lucerne make America great again. But she thinks, like, Trump knows, he cares, he will save my company. I know he will. My God! Wow. The faith that they put in this guy! Who's just a big idiot! Yes. It's another article by uh, Zero Hedge. Uh, so, uh, it's from uh, the Harley Davis. Uh, Harley Davidson is now moving his company to uh, Europe to avoid the tariffs. And Trump made, made a tweet saying, uh, I can't believe Harley Davidson is betraying America just as, as I screw him over financially with these tariffs. <laughs> uh, but uh, the article talks about, uh, this is from a, a Financial Times, uh, the, the, the sources are from uh, Financial Times, and it says, this decision hasn't translated to work anger at, directed at the president. An informal survey of workers during a smoke break at the Harley Davidson factory by FT found that most, if not all, support President Donald Trump's bid to revive American manufacturing by starting this trade fight. And they all blame uh, Europe, and they, bl- they blame Europe for uh, forcing Trump's hand on this thing. Those mm-hmm. goddamn Europeans forcing Trump to make these tariffs. Uh, we gotta, and uh, now he's forcing our company to go to Europe. Yeah. Fucking Europe. Okay, this is an aside real quick, but this is why the fucking modern media infuriates me so much. There is nothing to be gained from talking to Trump's base anymore. We already yeah. know. They're gonna support him no matter fucking what. Mm. No matter what. They voted for him for economic anxiety, and they're like, oh, your job's gone. And they're like, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> Why do we keep interviewing these people? They're a bunch of fucking morons. And, they're, and the Russian know, like, they're all white. And no matter what the demographic makeup, makeup of the companies are, like, Carrier is mostly minority, the company that Trump said he saved and they got shut down anyway, and went to, you guys' jobs, sent to Mexico anyway. Carrier was primarily minority, but if you see any carrier interview with a worker, it's always a white person. They always talk to white people only. Mm-hmm. And wow. so Harley Davidson says, uh, they're sick of everyone opportunity blaming on Trump when it's Europe's fault. <laughs> and when asked by FT whether they blame Trump for Harley's offshoring decision, most workers say they only blame the EU, and that regardless of the fallout, it wouldn't change their vote. They're going to vote for Trump anyway, regardless of if he's a job. I, lo- I love this stuff where it's everyone's just like getting mad at the EU, which reinforces the idea that even if there's an economic crash under Trump's watch and like yes. the, yeah. the, you could look at a lot of things that he is to blame for it, there will always be a defense to be raised that will can, that can blame it on Obama or foreign nations. That's the thing. Everyone that's like, oh, they voted for Trump for economic anxiety. No, it was it was a like it was a hate issue. Like straight up. Mm-hmm. The economic anxiety was an excuse. Yep. Yeah, I, I believe there's a survey that said it was more about lo- worry about loss of status than economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, yeah. Oh, uh, one th- I, I don't know, though. I agree with you guys actually on that, but I don't know how many people realize that themselves. Like, they don't. Always... They don't. That's why they yeah. use oh, the no, economic I don't think anxiety. It's, I don't think, yeah, I don't think for everybody. I'm not saying they're all bigots and racists. But I'm saying that I, I don't think they, they realize. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, bigotry and racism wasn't exactly a deal breaker for them. But I don't think. I think the way that they internalize their economic anxiety yeah. is based around uh, around bigotry and racism. Yeah, yeah, loss of status. I don't. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that they're lying to people and saying it's because of economics, and then they go home and they're like, "No, it's really the blacks." Like yeah. that's not. Yeah, it's, it's a just lot like, of them it's, fucking do for sure. It speaks to them like that. They just want. Things to remain the way they are, which is again the the brilliancy of Trump's slogan of "Make America Great Again." Because for a lot of people, yeah. it's like, 
for a lot of white people. It's like, I remember it was great when it was just like, you could be, like, men could be men. And, yeah. and like, you can have uppity blacks all the time, uh, Congress, yeah. racist. Yeah. So, uh, some more uh, uh, cucks. Uh, Bill Adler, <laughs> uh, he was, his article is from Washington Post, a family-owned factory saw a chance to bring U.S. jobs back in China, then Trump raised tariffs. So he, he was going to a contract for commercial sa- sausage stuffing, and uh, he, wa- he wanted to replace his Chinese supplier. So he wanted uh, to bring jobs back to America. But now uh, uh, prices went up 50%, 50% and uh, so now that, uh, his bid failed, so he lost a bit for this uh, uh, sausage stuffing uh, uh, manufacturing. I, I didn't know that was such a hot industry. Uh, I bet you eat sausages sometimes, you asshole. I, I bet you stuff sausages all the time, Ryan. I'm always stuffing those sausages. <laughs> And basically, and this guy says, like, he fucked up my business, I'm going to go bankrupt. He, but he says, I was reluctant to vote for Trump in 2016, but now I'm definitely voting for Trump in 2016. He says, I like having someone in the White House who respects business owners in a way that he doesn't believe Democrats do. So he's, I'm going bankrupt, but goddamn Trump respects Trump. <laughs> this is so weird. This really is like cooking. Where it's like, man, I did not want him to bang my wife, but he's doing a really good job at doing that. So. I think it, and in their mind, a lot of these people probably, because they're so entrenched in like conservative media, like Fox News and Worfs, they have this cognitive dissonance where they're like, God damn, times are tough. But like, look at this guy who supports the military. He's like, mm-hmm. he loves America. Look at all the, all that bullshit that they see on like OAN or whatever. Yeah. And also, yeah. And also to admit that he's fucking them, they would have to say my entire worldview and every gut feeling I had was wrong. Mm-hmm. They would have to admit that they were wrong about everything. Yeah, this is again one of those things that I don't think actually like, we, we often are like, this guy's an idiot, this guy's an idiot, cognitive dissonance, lol. But like, cognitive dissonance is not something that you consciously do. Like, yeah. he yeah. might, act, these people probably do not realize that there is a disconnect there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's not like I just, I, I, I'm choosing today to not admit that I am, my whole worldview is wrong. It's like, you actually, your brain just, does not let you yeah. do that. There's also another layer to it about like the hyperpartisan divide where your alternative it's it's sort of like us where it's like no matter how much we may hate Democrats, it's like any Democrat is better than Republican. And so the flip side applies for them where it's like no matter how much Trump is screwing them, it's like way better than, you know, socialism, communism that Hillary Clinton would have instated. At least he respects the cops. At least he respects the troops. Yeah, there's other pros to it. Even if Trump's screwing them in this way, it's like, well, at least he's like a man on stage. Yeah, it's like we talked about in the Bullworth episode where he comes out and he's like, I'm a piece of shit, but who are you going to vote for? A Republican? Mm-hmm. Get over yourself. Uh, so another one, uh, one, it's one of the biggest cucks. Uh, Mid-continent, uh, no co- uh, core, took pains to, uh, this is from LA Times, took pains to praise Trump as they ran a full-page ad in local newspaper, warning Trump in an open layer that 500 jobs here in Jeopardy and urgency received the company. More than any president, other president in our lifetime, you have shown compassion for U.S. manufacturing workers, the letter began. It is in your power to keep our plant running and save our jobs. While the company has requested exclusions from the tariff, the Department of Commerce has a backlog of more than 20,000 requests. So far, it has only uh, issued 42 exclusions. Please, please! Local, they asked uh, uh, somebody in the company whether they were rethinking their support if she lost her job at the nail plant. Uh, the woman said, uh, "Probably not. The tariffs would be only good for the nation, even if left unemployed. I will, I will suffer even if it means." So she's like you on its life. She's like, "I, I, I value the collective over my individual <laughs> security." I, I know. That's why, that's why I find it funny because um, you know people say right and left, but when you like boil down to uh, brass tacks. A lot of the rhetoric uh, gets mixed together. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. A, a lot of the the zealousy like remains yeah. the same on both sides. Where it's like, I will die for this cause, and then they yeah, yeah. they look at the other side and they're like, you'll die for that cause? Like, are you crazy? 
Yeah. But it's interesting because that is like uh, uh, this, this fascist uh, loyalty is like mm-hmm. uh, lo- death for sake of the state. I will die for my country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is interesting that you bring up the right left thing. How like both fascism and uh, hardcore communism are like the state is is the ultimate form of being. Like mm-hmm. individuals can. That's where you wrap up become, your identity. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're both authoritarian in the way that it's like the state is more important because it is the group and and the group. Like you, we can all just be meat for the machine if <laughs> the state survives and is prospers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I have one more article. I have, I have much articles, but I'm going to just move down to one more. It's not about the tariffs, but it is interesting because it's about Trump's auto policies that screw over people over. It's about uh, the EPA. You know, we have Scott Pruitt, we have the new guy, mm-hmm. and they're all fucking corrupt. <gasps> what? <laughs> so is Scott Pruitt not out yet? I thought he was. No, he just resigned. Yeah, he just resigned. Okay. So like in Louisiana, uh, some days ago, uh, the crab fishermen that uh, the craw fishermen that work in Louisiana, they're petitioning, they're petitioning Donald Trump because Scott Pruitt uh, raised a lot of uh, de- uh, de- regulations for the oil and gas industry and start polluting the nearby uh, lakes and waters. So they've been asking Trump to defend the National Strong Plan that the oil and gas companies are disrupting, have been disrupting for the last six years, and these guys are going out of business because uh, all the fish are dying. And they, they can't get enough fish anymore because fish are dying because of all, all the pollution nearby. And they've been petitioning for Trump for all, for all this time. And now they said all they can do is petition God now, saying, God, please make Trump save us. Like, we're going to die out here. And that's, that's his, he says, I will put the God hands, said this one fisherman. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to listen. God will make them listen. And that's the devil of the Like, it, we talk about, like, how Democrats and Republicans both agreed on uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, but there's a level of helplessness that, that is bringing people to these desperate choices where they're like, nobody's listening, no one's stopping this. Um, uh, I guess I, I got to do rash decisions like vote for Brexit, Brexit or vote for Trump to save myself, even though most of the time those are the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's sad. I do, one thing I do just want to say, like to kind of wrap up what I was saying before, is one of the things is that I I get why these people listen to Trump about like the his economic ideas. Now I don't get why they're staying with him, but because it's not like the Democrats were putting up an, an alternate policy. Like him and Bernie were running on almost the same thing when it comes to trade that I get why they were like, let's try this because the other option was both parties were free trade. But Bernie's not a businessman and socialism. No, but he's asking now, why does these, why does, why do they still support him after yeah. he implements well, these policies that are disastrous for them? Because he's a businessman and not socialism. <laughs> but the thing is, like, the thing, the funny thing is, if you ask a lot, of, like if you ask a decent number, like a lot of the Trump supporters I know in my life, you know, it's an anecdotal story. But a lot of people say Trump supporters in their life they would have voted for Bernie if Bernie was running. But yeah, uh, but like there, there, there was more of an elite willingness to tolerate Trump than there was to tolerate Bernie, the socialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so you have a choice between Trump or no one, basically. Because no one else yeah, if, if you're if you're a protectionist, you have you know I I get I get why they were convinced, but I can't imagine being like my company's closing, but it's the EU's fault. <laughs> well, you don't want to sell it to the globalists. Also, <laughs> yeah. something we didn't even mention when we're talking about this fucking globalist uh, talk is like we didn't even get into the role of the World Bank and the IMF and the fucking uh, other the WTO like and all it, the anti-Semitism that's wrapped up in a lot of yeah, globalist and, talk. <laughs> Yeah. And how much, well, there's, there's, yeah, there's the anti-Semitism stuff, especially when it comes to, like, Alex Jones and the really hardcore, like, conspiracy theorist guys. It's like the Jews are controlling the world. But Illuminati. Uh, just how much how much of a role they play in global trade, too, and how even when a nation decides something, it has to, like, work with these huge international organizations that are there to help regulate the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's 
crazy. And that's why for a lot of people who are like, I'm losing my job and all these, you know, companies like the IMF is demanding payments. And uh, like in Greece, they were like, fuck the IMF because uh, we can't buy food and they're demanding interest payments on the loans. And so for your average person, like who doesn't understand economics, they're just like, fuck these uh, these, the these people who are, yeah, these assholes living in Switzerland or something, uh, taking my money when I can't live. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, so, the, 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 the thing with the right, uh, like the left will say we need to change the system, go towards a more social system and whatever. Well, the right, all their idea is that the system is working exactly as it's supposed to. So when they want to uh, uh, tap into people's frustration, they have to point to somebody and say, everything's going the way it's yeah. supposed to. It's just a few people are screwing you over. In our cases, those people are minorities. Like those Mexicans are stealing our jobs. The Jews are stealing all, all your money. The EU is stealing your workers. Yeah, everything's because the ultimate ideology is that things are, we're in the best system right now as possible. And the only reason we're not working for you is because people are screwing you over. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is why they'll always find excuses for stuff is because as long as there's resistance against it or there's an other to point to that is aligned against you or you feel like is aligned against you, that's always your excuse. Or it's just different enough that you, you can you don't know you don't know them well enough that you can be, they can be painted in a broad stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah yep, editor. exactly. Which is why they, a lot of people lack empathy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Trump could shoot these people. They could shoot their children in the face and they'd be like, well, they should have got out of the way of the bullet. Yeah, the cucks. Yeah. I would have gotten out of the way of the bullet. So as Phil said at the beginning, it's, you know, economics is a, is a tough, tough issue. And even though we narrowed it down to trade and tariffs, it was still, like, impossible to find what to wade through. Mm-hmm. So if you have anything else you want to hear or any specific topics you want us to talk about, let us know in the Facebook group, Oops, I Talked Device of Issues, or the Discord, links in the show notes. Or you could tweet at us, at OopsPolitics. And yeah, let us know. And while you're doing that, you should check out the rest of the shows on the Flying Machine Network. And they're all at FlyingMachine.network. I want to mention Falling in Love Montage. They're on break right now. But it's a good time to get caught up because they just did a bunch of weekly episodes instead of the usual bi-weekly. And they did a whole month of Pride movies. So LGBTQ-focused movies. That were, it was really great. They had a lot of great guests that had some really, really good stories to tell about their experiences with the films and with their own experiences. So yeah, check all that out at flyingmachine.network. And I forgot to mention this on last week's Divisive Issues, but I will mention it next time. But Sly and I were just on the D&D podcast, They See Me Rolling. We played Fiasco, not D&D. But it was really fun, and if you want to hear Sly and I get very silly and do a lot of funny voices instead <laughs> of talking about trade and tariffs, check them out. They see me rolling. If you happen to find them interesting, the trade and tariffs. Which <laughs> yeah, because it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot. It was great. So yeah, check that out. And uh, yeah. that's that's everything I got. So thank you all for listening to Oops I Talk Politics. I've been embargoing the rest of these hosts. I've been a Trump cuck. I've had an imbalance of trade with funny jokes today. (laughs) (laughs) I still like Trump. You know, he's doing a bang-up job. Oh, no, my house! I I can't pay my mortgage. I still like Trump, though. Oops, I have a podcast. I give you the incredible flying machine. Uh, 
nearly half of workers of a high school diploma or some college study prove the tariffs compared to 39 percent of college ed- uh, educated workers so are you I like, would like to see how that's broken down by are race. you like slapping your hands as you're reading this yeah, i'm sorry i can't <laughs> he's I <don't> masturbating <laughs> i'm masturbating <laughs> <laughs> this is getting me off guys it's the sean freud yeah 